right, grab a seat if you are a kid. Heading off to kid land with Terry and Fernand. Terry, you got donuts? Always. <laughs> All right, on your mark, get set and go. All right. Hey, how was uh, Jamaica? I saw a few pictures. Was it I, Raymond? All right. You come back, you have a Jamaican accent now, right? Yeah, dude, it just happens, man. <laughs> All right. Hey, um, we have a unique uh, scenario here always, as you have figured out, this is just a little bit different. We, uh, you know, we preach the word of God, we believe that's our final authority, and Jesus Christ is our only way to heaven, but God's given us a unique location. How many of y'all understand that? And he's given us a unique group of people and a unique ministry, not to build a church, but to make disciples. And, uh, um, and as that uniqueness keeps going, many of you know my office is not concrete and I don't have shoes. And that's different for a lot of pastors, but I'm okay with that. And uh, anytime I get frustrated, God just says, hey, really, you want concrete and shoes? And I'm like, no, no, I don't. But so most of you know that a couple times a week, maybe once or twice a week, uh, just people from the church get together. We go out paddle boarding. And uh, soon we, uh, you know, in the wintertime, we go out boating also. And so we're diligently uh, working on getting this boat back in order, back ready again. We have a 20-foot Carolina skip that'll hold 10 people. And, dude, that's a small group right there, man. And we can have a small group out in the mangroves. So if at any point, especially during the week, you're interested in the morning, you can take some time off from 9 to noon type deal. Man, let me know, and I'll let you know when we're going, what we're doing. And that's my office. That's my church office. It's like we want to meet. It's on the house. It's on me. It's not part of my business to tourists and so on. It's like this is that's my office, man. Let's go paddle a paddleboard out into the mangroves and hang out and watch God's glory. Have you all been out in the mangroves with me before? Let me ask you a question. Can you deny God out there? No, man, you cannot deny God. And it's so awesome. What a great place to pray. What a great place to hang out and, and, and be. Um, so this week. Monday and Tuesday are probably going to be kind of full of some other stuff, but I'm thinking somewhere in the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday range. You guys are interested, let me know. And if you're only available on the weekends, maybe we can work something out. But it'd be, uh, it'd be my pleasure to do nothing more and take a group of people out, you know, in that. Now, Matthew, where's Matthew at? Matthew, where are you at today? Oh, right back here. Matthew's been helping me get the boat back in order, get the steering to work like butter. Right. And it's not quite butter yet. It's all back together. But we're, we're going to make it like butter, man. Get that thing going. And and I absolutely love taking the boat out. My, my wife had made the comment because <laughs> we've been working on the boat for about three weeks now. Right, Matt? Matthew? Well, three weeks. Yes. And and uh, we're going to get it done. She's like, oh, so the honeymoon's over. I'm like, no, man, I miss her. I really want to go out in the boat and I really want to go out bad. And um, and it's a good thing. But I love going out in the boat. Anybody guys like going out in boats, man? Boats are good. And, and especially Fort Pierce, back here, all where we've got. And by the way, that's where we go out of is Fort Pierce. Every seven and a half hours, God just sucks crystal clear Gulf Stream water, blows it in, into that inlet, all the way into the back of the mangroves. And then he sucks it back out again. So it's just pure salt water going back and forth. And everything grows up back there. It's beautiful. So we take the boat in the same places that we take the paddle boards. Um, only we kind of anchor them on sandbars. And we hang out and explore and just kind of chill. And I don't mind hooking the boat up at the house, man. I don't mind driving the boat. I'm kind of used to having that big old thing. Because after a while, I mean, you don't even think. Zane, you had your boat out yesterday, right? You don't even think about the boat being back there. That's other people's responsibility, right? 
the, take care of your boat back there. No, I'm joking. It's all. But I'm back there. I got no problem with that. I'm backing it, dude. I'm getting much better. You know, Terry might not think so. He's down there with the kids. But it only takes me three tries to back it into my driveway now. That's, that's all right. I'm getting better at that. Getting into the boat ramp, man, no problem. We go out of Stan Blum boat ramp. And, and I back it right up in there. I'm nice and comfortable. Everything's unhooked. I got a system. How many of y'all have to have a system? You got a system, right? And dude, somebody messes with your system, something's gonna go wrong. I got my system, man. And I'm just like, you just enjoy yourself. Just come on, right? Mike, 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 I, I, I gotta admit, I let Mike actually help me load some paddle boards the other day. You gotta know you're special, bro. Not many people, there's people in here that are like, dude, you won't let me do it. But uh, I just had a feeling you were gonna do it anyways, right? But. So, so I got no problem, man. We get it, the boat back down, and I, I usually have to count on a first mate, or one of you will be my first mate. You'll grab the bow lines, you know, or the, you know, you'll grab the, the dock lines, but the bow and stern, and I'll back it up, and boat will come off, and you'll pull it over, and hopefully tie it nice and neat. And I got no problem any of that, man. It's all good. I'll park the boat, park the car, come back, and we'll get in the boat, fire it right up, back up. And, and we just go out and puddle around, man. Sometimes we'll go fast if we're going tubing, whatever, man. Sometimes we just putz around and just pull up on sandbars. And it's awesome. Sometimes we find a pot of dolphin. And, and we just follow the dolphins around, man. And that's kind of cool doing that. Uh, dude, we saw dolphins yesterday, right, John? Uh, yeah, and uh, Brianna saw some dolphins right there with us and everything. But in the boat, man, I'll just follow the dolphins. That's all awesome. And I'm digging the whole boat trip, man. As long as when I turn that key, it starts. It's like, yes. And, uh, and we get going. But when we get, start getting close to the boat ramp, now it's time to pay attention. And you're going to see my attitude change just a little bit. Hopefully, it's not for the worse or whatever. But that's the time when everybody's tired. Everybody's lounged around on the front deck. Everybody's, you know, got kids crying. crap. But it's the time that you've got to pay the most attention because usually when you're pulling in that boat ramp, you're pulling in to go home, there's other people pulling back. Usually there's a current going back and forth, back and forth at Stan Blum. And it's going to take the utmost concentration to make this work. People ask me, hey, how'd you get those scratches on your bow? And I'm like, yeah, that's my first mate. Uh, I'm just saying, whoever my first mate is, if they do a good job and they hook it up and I can whip it around, it's good, we're there. But if my first mate really isn't, I'll train you. If you want to be my first mate, I'll train you when we're there. Just got to listen to what I'm saying, man. Hook it in there. Otherwise, we're just scratching the boat up. But it's okay. Scratches are, that, that's character. I, there's some of you that I pray for every time I see those scratches because I never <laughs> who helped me with those. But no problem. But, man, it, it's just, that's the time. That's the time Ashley hates the most. Ashley hates when we're pulling in, you know, and we're pulling in there because it can be kind of, you know, treacherous. It can be kind of tough. And, uh, you know, with other boats coming and a current ripping one way or the other, you're trying to figure out where we're going to put this stuff. And so you got to pay close attention. If you don't pay close attention, two things can happen. Okay, one, we need to get there to get home, right? So if all of a sudden I'm getting ready to go into the boat ramp and it's right there, and all of a sudden I lose track of what I'm supposed to be doing, what do I do? I pass the boat ramp. Now, I can go back if I want, but what if I decide that, you know what? You know what? Let's just go to the other side. Let's go over by Tom's house in Wildcat Cove, man. And let's go over by water skiing. Let's water ski a little bit. Let's, let's tow people around. 
And, and then I go back to the boat ramp again and I pass it again. It's like, oh, let's just go do this. Let's go out into the ocean. And what if every time I got close to pulling into the boat ramp, I decided to pass it? Would I ever be able to make it home to where my home really is? And what if, and so, so most of the time, it's not a conscious decision because my plan is to go there, but I have passed that boat ramp because we're trying to get this kid out of the way. We're trying to get somebody so that they won't get strangled by an anchor line or whatever, trying to get everything all together. And so by not paying attention, I may drift by. Now, if I drift by and go all the way back around Tom's place and I get sucked out into the river and I drift and I run out of gas, I run out of gas and Cito's closed for the day. <laughs> I'm just covering your example. But I run out of gas and I drift out there. Man, with the currents and stuff, there may, it may be too late for me to come back. I run aground somewhere and I can't get back to where I'm going. And you know what? That's what we're talking about here today in the book of Hebrews is he's going to be talking about drifting. Don't drift. We don't drift on purpose usually. Now, we did the other day. We went on a drift dive down south, and we dove down about 80, 90 feet. We're down there. And, and, and in order to drift, what do you have to do? The answer is nothing. <laughs> you don't have to do anything to drift. We dive down. I'm like, can clear my ears. And all of a sudden, we're 90, 90 to 100 feet down, and the currents are just taking us. Now, fortunately, up above, there was a boat following us, and so when we came up, that boat was there. But if there was no boat there, and I'm just drifting, if I'm just drifting on my own, it's real easy to get lost. It's real easy to get in a situation that you don't want to be in. Whether it's a boat, whether it's diving, whether it's paddleboarding, but drifting takes nothing, and drifting is what happens to us spiritually. And that's what, we're, again, we're going to talk about in the book of Hebrews. Here's where... Uh, give you the context of this book of Hebrews again. It's, it's, there's some Hebrew people. We don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. Some people think it's Paul, but I'm going to show you a verse today why people don't think it was Paul. But it's written to the Hebrew people, and it was written because they, these were Hebrew people that most of them had given their life to Christ. And now they were suffering intense persecution as believers. And the other people who were Hebrew people that hadn't given their life to Christ they were now in the Zionist movement to try to get everybody back to being Jews again and doing it the Jewish way. So they were trying to convince the Christians, you don't get persecuted as much if you're one of us. Stay with us. And so they were being drawn away. And some of these Hebrew people were drifting away from Christ. And the writer of Hebrews saying, don't drift. And he's saying, Jesus is better. Been there, done that, and Jesus is way better. Help me out with that. Been there, done that, and Jesus is way better. So he started off, we looked at the last two weeks where he says Jesus is way better than the angels. Because in the Old Testament, the angels were the ones that brought Moses the law. The, the angels were the ones that kind of, kind of brought everything. Whenever God wanted to kind of reveal his glory and reveal himself, he came in the form of an angel so often. And angels are crucial in the, in the Old Testament. They were the messengers. They were the ones getting the stuff done. And again, like I said, it, it tells us in the scripture that Moses got the scripture from, got the law from the angels. The angels were there bringing on behalf of God to Moses. And you can look that up. And so anyways, um, they were like, let's just go back to angels. Let's go back to the angels. Let's go back to being Jewish. Let's, and he said, no, Jesus is way better. Jesus made the angels. Jesus controls the angels. Jesus tells the angels what to do. So would you rather have Jesus or rather have the angels? 
And he's trying to convince them Jesus is way better. He's like, look, Jesus made this universe. Jesus controls this universe. He's taught in the first chapter, we learned all these awesome things that Jesus was and did. Does anybody guys, any of you guys remember any of those things? What, what, what's some of the awesome things that we saw that Jesus did? He's always been with the Father. Yeah, he was always with the Father. Yeah, he was no less because he was the Son. He was equal with them and just submitted himself to the Father's authority as a human. And that's what kind of what they were thinking, too, was, well, you became a human, and angels are higher than humans but lower than God. So we're going to go worship the angels again And because Jesus was a human. He's like, no, no, dude, Jesus is God, and he's way higher than the angels. What else? Who else had something? I saw somebody over here. He's the main man. What's that? He's the main man. Yeah, why would you go to the middle man if you can go to the main man, which is Jesus, who lives inside of you, the the, the king of kings and lord of why do you need to worship angels? Why do you need to pray to angels? Why do you need the angels? Let God deal with the angels. That's what he's telling us in that whole first chapter of Hebrews. Don't worry about the angels because they're not listening to you anyways. Who do they serve? Because he created them and they serve him and they worship him. And, and, and they're going to, they, they worship him now. And so he says, you just serve God. He said, man, I've been there, done that. This is way better, this new covenant. Worship God in this new covenant through Christ. And so, so he's telling them all these things of how, how good Jesus is way better. But in the book of Hebrews, after he tells you what's better than something, now he gives you an exhortation or a warning. And that's where we're at in chapter 2. He gives us the first warning. And the first warning in this is to is do not drift, okay? So help me out so you remember this, and in case you fall asleep later, read this, and this is all you'll remember from the whole message, all right? In case you fall asleep, what is it? Don't drift. drift. And what's required for you to drift? Nothing. Man, you, uh, where's uh, Camille, April? Man, we get paddling sometimes, right? And it's usually easy, we're drifting, I take you in the easiest course, but there's sometimes we gotta go against that current. And you got to work hard. you got to work hard to get against that current and everything. And that's why he's telling us don't drift because, man, you can drift away really fast. And you can drift away two ways. He's writing again to two different kinds of people. He's writing to lost Jewish people because uh, some of them were trying to bring all the other Jewish people who were saved into, you know, back into being Jewish. And he's saying, look, man. You've seen the kingdom. You've seen Jesus. You know this is all true. And it's like it would be such a shame for you to be in that boat and to not concentrate and not and miss this opportunity and drift past the boat ramp and never make it home. That's his exhortation to the lost people. You know about Jesus. You know how awesome he is. And there's so many people in this world. They know how awesome God is. They've heard about him. They believe they don't even they're not anti-Christian. They've just never pulled into the boat ramp and made the commitment to come home. I believe most of the people that are going to end up in hell are not people who are anti-Christian. I believe they're people that came to church and they heard about Christ. They saw the Christmas plays. They, they went to Easter presentations. They did this. They, they, had, they had no problem with Christ and except they drifted right by him without ever surrendering their life to him. Folks, what it takes to be born again is at some point in your life saying that I surrender everything I know about myself to everything I know about him. I believe I'm a sinner, and by being a sinner, I've earned a free trip to hell, and I don't want to go there because it's one way. And I believe what Jesus did on the cross paid for my sins. I believe that. 
And I believe I've got to surrender myself to have that happen at some point. And you actually do surrender yourself. If you never surrender and say, I'm yours. And it's a one-time deal. You surrender yourself. When John says in his gospel the word believe over 99 times, it's in the perfect tense, which means in the Greek that you do it one time and has everlasting results. So if at some point you surrender yourself to him and you mean it, you're his child. You pulled into, you pulled in. You didn't just drift right by Christ and end up somewhere else, run out of gas. And you know what? We're all going to run out of gas one day, aren't we? Every one of us is going to run out of gas one day. It's called death. And we run out of gas, it's going to be too late to get back to the boat ramp. If you have the desire, you have the ability from him. That's him calling you to surrender yourself to him. Pull into the boat ramp, and that's how you get home. We're drifting. Don't drift past it. Come in and anchor in. Pull in. Tie off right there and hold yourself there. So he's talking to those people, but he's also talking to a second group of people, which are the believers who are Jewish, who basically have been tied up at the boat ramp, right? They're tied up at the boat ramp. They're there. Hey, Tom, you ever been tied up to boat ramp and... Um, and, and have you ever gotten loose in the boat ramp? Maybe you never have, but um, what, what, what happens, like my first mate, you know what happens usually? They let go. <laughs> We're in the boat ramp. Can you imagine all of a sudden getting untied? Could you trust that somebody didn't know how to tie a knot to tie a knot? Milton, you ever have knots come undone on your ship? You used to like, no, because you're a good captain, right? But am I the only one that has this stuff happen in the boat ramp? <laughs> but if you could imagine pulling into the boat ramp, and you're pulled into the boat ramp, you're tied off to the dock, and you go to get your truck, and all of a sudden, your boat is unhooked. And now what does it hit? It hits the other ramp, and it gets the other ramp, and then there's somebody trying to shove your boat out of the way. Or let's just say you pull in, and you never actually do slow down and really hook up, and you just keep going right up into it. That'll be good for a prop, right? But that's what it's like when we're believers. We pull in, we give our life to Christ, and we pull in, and we hook up, and we're holding on, and then we let go. And that's what happens when we drift. Anybody here ever drift in your Christian walk? You ever drift? You get lazy and you start doing nothing? Because again, to drift, you have to do what? Nothing. You know, this world that we live in, this world system that we live in, it, we, it feeds our flesh. We, have, we, we come into this world, we come into this world with a nature that desires us, right? It doesn't desire God. If we desire to love somebody, do something for somebody, it's for our own benefit. It's because it's going to be beneficial to us to do it. And so that's us. We're selfish people. We come into this world and it's only for us. And that's why we not only need to be born once, but we need to be born again with a new nature, a new nature that now desires God. And so in this life here, we have two natures. We have one that desires us and one that desires him. And whichever one we feed, that's the one that grows. Now, if you don't actively feed your new soul food nature, soul food, if you don't feed that new nature, what happens to your old nature? It grows because this world system, by doing nothing, by not going to church, by not reading the word, by not being in, in, in a group with people, seeing life from God's perspective, by not feeding, taking an active role to feed your new nature, the world is actively feeding your old nature, and it's growing. And there's only so much of you, so as one grows, one shrinks, and it goes back and forth. Now, the good news for those of us that are born again is one day we're going to lose that old nature. 
and we're going to be in heaven and only have one nature and one desire, and that's the nature and desire for God. Anybody looking forward to that day? Natalie, you looking forward to that day? You know, you have some weeks where your old nature's growing faster than you want it to grow. It's getting fed with the junk food of this world. There you go. That'll preach, right? <laughs> and so in this, again, he's saying don't drift. Let's take a look at this. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And uh, only four verses today. He says, therefore. Now, the therefore, whenever you see a therefore in Scripture, you got to look at the previous verses and see what the therefore is there for. And the previous verses are the whole previous chapter that told us Jesus is way better than the angels. He's way better. You don't just focus your life on Christ. He's the best. And that's all you need to deal with. He said, therefore, we must pay clo much closer attention to what we've heard lest we what? Drift away from it. The, both these two things are nautical terms when he says much closer attention. And by the way, I'm using the ESV today, that translation, because I like the way it reads in all of this. But he says, pay much closer attention. And then the next nautical term is drift away. If you don't do the closer attention part, you're going to drift away. And what the connotation is in this is they had to have a word for what it meant to watch somebody, you know, going out in the ocean and missing the inlet. <laughs> Anybody ever sail long distances? Anybody been out, out even offshore? Yeah. You got to pay attention. But this is long before GPS and alarms and all this. We're talking back in your day, Roger, with celestial navigation, right? <laughs> yeah, dude. It's like, yeah. I mean, they're talking back in the day where, I mean, if you've ever been out in the ocean, Tom, you've sailed, right? You can miss an inlet real quick. You know, you can miss your mark out there. You've got to be focusing on so when he's saying pay much closer attention, the Greek word used here is talking about somebody who is paying attention to that boat ramp. They're, he said, don't lose track of that boat ramp. Don't, pay, don't get distracted and then pass it and have to come back. Because you might just run out of gas and not have the ability to come back. Isn't that what always happens when we pass it? You know, isn't that what, you know, we think, oh, I can go back. I can go back. I can't tell you how many people I've met that feel as though they could give their life to Christ anytime they want. I'm not going to do it now. I'm not ready. I'm like, what do you mean you're not ready? If you have the desire and ability, you're ready. Where does that desire and ability to give your life to Christ come from? It comes from him. It's a gift. In fact, when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he said it's like the wind. He said you don't know when it's coming. And you don't know when it's leaving, but you know what? You know when it's there. And so many people, man, that I've met in my walk with Christ and sharing the gospel with them have had, they felt the call. I'd love to do that, but man, there's so much unknown stuff that I'm just not going to do it. I'm not ready yet. I'm not going to do it. And they drift right on by thinking that at any point they could turn it around and throttle it right back to Christ. But you know what? If you reject the desire he's given you, there's no guarantee that desire is ever coming again. It could. And you may be saying, I've had it for this long. But you don't know when it's coming. You don't know when it's leaving. You know when it's there. If you have the desire right now to surrender your life to Christ and you've never done that, man, don't drift by it. That's what he's saying, man. We've got to pay much closer attention to that desire so we don't drift away from it. How many of you in here have given your life to Christ and 
And is there anybody here that has given their life to Christ and said, that was the worst thing I've ever done. I wish I'd never did it. And I'm going to tell everybody right now. Raise your hand. Come up here and speak. Would you? Anybody here? I put you in a lot of pressure. How many of y'all would just raise your hand and say, yeah, dude, don't give your life to Christ? Anybody? I've said that all over the world, and I've never met anyone who wished they hadn't, but people like me wish they'd done it sooner. How many of you would say, dude, not just because it's church, but because you know in your heart, you know it's the best thing that ever happened? Anybody here raise your hand and say that? Yeah, dude. It's the best thing. But yet, all those unknowns, if I do it, there's unknowns. Well, guess what? Hey, after you give your life to Christ, are there still unknowns? Yeah, dude, even more unknowns. And what's the F word for that? Faith. Yes, faith. It's faith. Get your minds out of the gutter. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, it's faith. There's always going to be unknowns. And that's, that's where, man, the only way to please God is through faith. So here he says, man, because we know how awesome God is and because you truly believe that, man, pay close attention to the inlet. Don't drift by the inlet. Don't miss the marker. Don't miss the boat ramp. Don't assume that you can float right by and then turn it and throttle back. Don't assume that you can jive or come around and you can get back. Don't assume there's going to be wind to get you back. Don't assume anything. You have your sights set on that anchorage right there, on that boat ramp, on that inlet where you're supposed to go that's going to take you home. If you ever get remotely close and have the ability to get there, go now. And don't assume there's ever going to be an opportunity to do it again. Now, does that mean there's never going to be an opportunity? I don't know. But all I'm saying is that's what he's saying here. Don't assume there's ever going to be another. Take advantage of that opportunity right now. He said that's why we must pay much closer attention. Focus on it like it's life and death because it is life and death, isn't it? Every one of us is going to spend eternity somewhere, and there's only two places, heaven and hell. And with, you've already earned a trip to hell. Every one of us earned one when we were born. And it's not like, well, I'm going to go to hell and be with all my friends. We're going to part. No, dude, it's a place of misery and torment. You're going to be with people that get under your skin for eternity on purpose. You're going to have physical desires and no body to fulfill them. I was talking to Terry about that yesterday. Uh, think about this. How many of y'all ever had to go, like, the bathroom really bad, like while I'm, pre- not while I'm preaching. I know some of y'all get up, but which is all good. But seriously, how many of y'all had to go to the bathroom really bad, like on the interstate or somewhere? And how does that feel? Yeah, dude. I mean, your bladder's fixing the bus. Now, I know most churches don't talk about this, but I know y'all can relate. You've done this while I've been preaching. I've seen your teeth floating, all right? I'm just saying, man, you got to go to the bathroom really, really bad. Can you imagine? It's horrible feeling, isn't it? Could you imagine not having a physical body to relieve that situation? You want to get a little picture of hell, a little picture? Could you imagine having to go to the bathroom for eternity and not being able to? And that's just one little bit. That's one little bit of eternity. But you're separate. I mean, God, you see God. God's there, but God's not on your side, and God's not helping you. And that's even harder to know that there's rescue and help, but you rejected him. And you're eternally separated from his help. And there's so much more, but God's offering us something so much better, which is heaven and eternity. What, what's heaven going to be like? What's, yeah, Christ is going to be there. It's going to be bright. What else? What are, you, what are you looking forward to? What I hear over here? 
A party, yeah. When we get there and right begin with marriage supper of the lamb, a party. Man, it's yeah, there's there's gonna be a there's gonna be a party. It's gonna be paradise. Man, it's awesome. So again, why would you not pull into that port when you have the opportunity? So he says, man, we've got to pay much closer attention to that port. Don't lose sight of that port as you're pulling up to it. Man, as you're, as you're coming to Christ, man, just if you see it, go right then. He says, we've got to pay much closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away from it. And so that's for someone who's never given their life to Christ. But if we're talking about us as believers. Man, we're coming up on that boat ramp as believers. And, and what he's talking about, we're already in port. We're already on our way home, are we not? We're as close to hell as we're ever going to be. Did you understand that? As a believer, we're as close to hell as we're ever going to be. And so we're in that boat ramp, but when we let go within that boat slip, we let go within that marina, we let go within that inlet, and we get careless. Man, what happens when you let go? Sebastian Inlet? Dude, how long? I had voters tell me one time it took less than 10 seconds for you at full blast to get from one end of Sebastian Inlet to the other. It's a narrow inlet that's deep and it rips. What happens if you just got careless right in the middle of that inlet? Dude, hit the rocks. Your boat flips. What happens when your boat flips? You make it on the news, right? But oh, for all the wrong reasons. Everything, dude. I mean, you get careless, you know, and that's what, so we as believers, we get into the port, we get into the slip, and here we are, and we're like, oh, I got it made now. I'm going to heaven, it's all good. And sometimes we get careless once we're in that boat slip, don't we? And it's when we get careless, man. Let me ask you a question. If the devil can't have you for eternity, don't you think he wants to make your life as miserable as he can right now? If he knows that you aren't his for eternity, he knows you're in that boat slip and he sees a little knot coming undone, what do you think he's going to do? <laughs> yeah, he's going to get that little knot kind of undone. He, if he sees somebody else that he can really use, he's going to get some, some uh, for, like a 4th of July boater coming out. You know what I'm talking about, 4th of July boaters, Tom? He's going to get some guy coming and back into you. He's going to get some dude who thinks he can do anything with a big old ship and cruise right next to you and smash you again. He's going to do whatever he can do and all of that. If we get careless, if we drift away. So if you're not a believer, man, by all means, you've got to pull into port. You've got to pull into the slip. You've got to pull because that's your only way home. But if you're a believer and you've already pulled in, don't get careless and don't drift in that, in that boat ramp. It's not the place to drift. Don't drift away in the inlet. It's not the place to drift. Lots of damage can still be done. And plus, what happens if you do come apart in an inlet? What do you guys think of those boaters that you see on the news where their boats capsize? What's your first thought, you know? All you boaters, what's your first thought when you see some little boat capsized in the inlet? What do you think? What an idiot. How did that happen? You know, I mean, is that, tell me if that's not your thought. You're like, dude, that doesn't happen if you're careful. And it's the same way spiritually. We stay under God's umbrella protect. We stay tied to the dock. We stay firm and secure on the anchor that we have, man. We stay and we don't drift and we don't have those problems. And anything we have going on, he gives us the ability to handle it. So look what he says. He goes, since the message, he said, here's another reason why you need to pay attention and you don't need to drift away and deal with the angels and all that. He said, for since the message declared by angels 
proved to be reliable in every transgression or disobedience received just retribution. He says, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. So check this out. He starts by saying this. He said, okay, so the law came by angels, which are inferior to God. Okay, we already got that. And if it came and, and it proved to be reliable, and every time somebody violated it, willingly or unwillingly, there was some kind of like a consequence to it. How many of y'all know there's consequence to sin, right? There's short-term and long-term consequences to it. And, and, and in here he says every transgression or disobedience. Transgression is where we just don't think about it. If we sin and we just didn't think about it and we just actually sin on accident, are there still consequences? Okay, yeah. There's a penalty. Ignorance is no, is, 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 there's no excuse. If you sin because you were careless, the consequences can be just as bad as if you sin on purpose. There's not a difference, really. And transgression's talking about sinning because you're just not thinking. You're being careless. Disobedience is where you go and you just say, you know what, I know what God wants, and I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do the opposite. So he says with either one of those in the Old Testament, there was retribution. There was a penalty that, that was just that went along with being in that situation. So he said if that was true in the Old Testament, which was inferior, if that was true, he said, then how are we going to escape? What's your excuse if you've got a better covenant now and you've got God living inside of you right now? We talk about this in small group all the time. How many times have we said when we see the Moses and the children of Israel they do something stupid again and again. Carl, we've seen them do it over a bunch of times, right? Over, and what do we say? Golly, that God was right there. How could they do that again? And I always think they're up in heaven looking at us saying, God lives in them. How could they do that again? And that's what the author here is saying, is that with this inferior covenant, if there were consequences, now you have a superior covenant with Christ, and you have him living in you. If you're a believer, or if you're not a believer and he's made it known to you, how do you think you're going to escape? When you stand before God, what are you going to use as an excuse? I guarantee you, anybody who's ever been in one of our services and he says, here's the gospel, did you hear it? You're not going to have an excuse. You came to church and you heard the gospel, now you're liable for it. You can no longer say, I didn't know. There's no excuse. The more we know about church, in fact, you know, for Christians, one of the most dangerous things a Christian can do is learn more and 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 not do it. That's now the goal is not, oh, dude, I'm just going to stay and be a stupid Christian, man. That's not the goal. The goal is to do it. But the more you know, the more you're held accountable for. That's what he's saying. How can we escape if we what's that N word there? Neglect. Yeah. What is neglect? Tell me, tell me what neglect means. Hey, Tom, what do you think of when you think of neglect? Now that I put you on the spot. Were you even awake, bro? So I know some of y'all had the, you know, how many of y'all have mastered the church, I'm awake look, lights on, but nobody home? And every once in a while you do this, you know, like, uh, Tom, you weren't there, though. You were paying attention, weren't you? You were just deep thought. What, is, what do you think of when you think of neglect? Okay. All right. Not being responsible. Okay. So you should be responsible doing the right thing. So neglect is just not doing it. What else? What do you think? Not caring. Not caring. Neglect. Like, that's eh, no big deal. What? Ignoring. 
ignoring because you're busy with something else. What else you got for neglect? No action. No action, just nothing. You're not doing anything wrong, but not doing the right thing. You're just doing nothing. Yeah, anybody have yards that have been neglected? Houses, projects in your house neglected? What happens if you neglect a boat? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Neglect. And so he's saying, what excuse are you going to give if you do nothing with that valuable stuff that you have been fed? Do you realize, you know, whatever God's giving you? Actually, I love your devotions when you get stuff from God. And Natalie, from, I, get stuff, I get stuff from a lot of you guys. And you know what's the most exciting thing when I get those things from you guys? You text me what God's showing you, Ashley, uh, is that I know where God's working on you in your life. I know he's giving that to you specifically and you specifically because that's what he wants you to eat today. And that's what he wants you to do today. That's what he wants you to use. If God Almighty spoke to you, what excuse are you going to give if you just did nothing with it? If you neglect it? Is there anybody higher, anybody better? I mean, did you meet some cool people in Jamaica, bro? Did you make some valuable contacts as far as getting things done Jamaican style? Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and you meet somebody that's got, you know, resources, and, and then they know somebody with resources. And, and, and now you get put up with these important people. What if they're now going out of their way to do you a favor, to give you something that you need, and you just, like, blow them off? That's pretty stupid, right? Especially if you're stuck in the country with no passport and you can't get out. And you're at the embassy and you're neglecting them. Yeah, I don't need you. I'm going to get out on my own. <laughs> I got Trump, man. No, I'm just saying that's the way back. It's like, I'm going to get out on my own. But neglecting, can you imagine neglecting God? But we take that so lightly, man. How many times has God spoke? He's encouraged you. He's opened and revealed himself up to you and you did nothing with it. You drifted right on by. He says, and the writer in Hebrews says, there's going to be an accountability for that. And he says, hey, we know this is true. And he's talking to the Jews in these last two ones. He said, how are we going to escape if we neglect such a great salvation? He said, we know it's true because it was declared at the first by the Lord. We, we know Jesus declared it. And it was attested to us by those who heard. Now, many people believe this is why Paul didn't write this, because Paul says, I was an eyewitness. And he didn't just hear it from other people. And you'll see this in the next verse also. He says, while well, God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles, which, by the way, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the signs and the wonders and the miracles that came with Pentecost were for the Jews. He said, Greeks need wisdom. Uh, and get, you do signs in front of the Greeks, that doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense to them. He said, but Jews try to make sense. That makes sense. They need to see a miracle. They need to see a sign. And he said, so for you Jews, God did all the signs that anybody could ever need to prove that he's for real. In other words, I think in our lives, God's going to do everything it takes for, to prove to us that he's real. Ashley, has he ever done anything in your life to prove that he's real? And you got no doubt? Zane, how about yours, man? Have you ever seen him work just once? Yeah. How many of you know you have seen God testified he has made himself real to you and spoke to you in a way that you cannot deny his existence. Yeah. I hope all you that raise your hand that have seen that, I hope you pulled into the boat ramp. <laughs> I hope you've accepted him as Lord and Savior and you have salvation. And I hope that that's encouraging you to hold on and not drift. 
not getting tired because Susan, we all get tired. I'm exhausted, man. We, we get tired of doing what he said. That's why we gotta get fed again. We gotta get some spiritual rest, but don't let go. Don't drift, it gets us in trouble. So he says, man, God's bore witness. He did the wonders, miracles, by the gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributed them all according to his will. So for you Jews, in context, what this means is for you Jews, he's shown you everything you need to know to know that there is a God and that he's in charge. And that's what he's telling us. So here's the point of this whole message for us. If you're not a believer, there's only one boat slip that's going to get you home. There's only one. And there's a current ripping by that boat slip. And if you are not careful, you may know everything there is to know about Jesus. You may have had every opportunity in the world. But if you're not carefully, purposely trying to take advantage of the power he's given you by turning the wheel and throttling at the right time, you're going to drift right by that boat slip. And there's no guarantee you're ever going to get in that again. Don't deceive yourself in thinking you can do it whenever you want because the desire comes from him. And just be glad you got it and take advantage of it. Throttle in. But if you're a believer and you're in that boat slip, you're in that inlet, you're in there, don't get careless and drift away. Because if the devil can't have you for eternity, boy, Gary, wouldn't he like to just make your life as miserable as he can right now? Yeah, absolutely. And in doing that, if you are a miserable Christian, you know, how many of y'all ever seen them Christians that looks like they've been sucking on sour pickles? You know what I'm talking about? Them Christians, all they got is bad junk going on in their life all the time. Oh, bless God, devil, I mean, you know, bless God, man, life. You know what I mean? And they got nothing good to say about what God's doing in their life, man. What an awesome testimony. Don't you want to be one of them, Gary? Yeah, dude, I want to be one of them sour-sucking, pickle-faced Christians. That's me, right there. That's my goal. No. You know what this world needs to see, man? This world needs to see people that are walking with God, going through everything they're going through in this broken world we live in, but they're going through it in God, with God's presence and God's power and God's perspective, and they get to see God work in ways that are undeniable. That's why God left us behind. Hey, guys, the yellow on this shirt reminds me as a believer, I got a home where? And how long I got a home there for, Natalie? Forever, man. I got a home forever. But this black on this shirt that I can't cover up because my belly's too big, I can't. Man, this black on my shirt, it represents what? Sin. Sin. The sin that's in my life where I purposely disobey God or do it out of ignorance or I do it because of neglect because I don't care. But I can't cover my sin up. The only thing covering my sin up is represented by the red on this shirt, which is what? The blood of Christ. God himself came to be the final and only sacrifice to be able to pay for people's sins. There is no other way than by him doing that. If there was any other way, Jesus would have been spared. But Jesus came, lived a perfect life as both 100% man and 100% God. And when he died on a cross... His blood was shed, and God said, that is sufficient for all the sins of the world, past, present, and future. But you've got to believe it through faith, and you show you believe it by surrendering yourself to him. And he said, when you do that, it covers you, and it covers you forever. 
And again, wouldn't it have been awesome to take you to heaven? And would you like to be in heaven right now? Would that be awesome? Absolutely. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you're digging this. This hip thing, your handle is way better than me. I'm a, well, but I'm a guy, so that just explains everything right there, you know. Uh, but, man, we could dig heaven. That would be a great place to be. But God left us behind for this green. He left us behind so that as we go through this world, with his presence and with his power, and with his promises and his perspective in seeing it that way, knowing why we're going through what we're going through, and we count all that, waiting, being patient to wait on him. Man, and he does things so supernatural that only he can get blamed, dude. We grow more in love with him. How many of y'all ever had him do something in your life so supernatural and he can get blamed and it's caused you to grow more in love with him? Yeah. And then we know. By growing more in love with him, we grow more in love with who? With everyone else. That's what our life here is about. That's what we're here for, man. And so he says, don't neglect it. This is your warning, dude. If God's calling you for the first time to pull into port, man, surrender, throttle it. Just run it straight up on the boat ramp. Make sure you're there and you're never going to get, you're never going to leave. Get in there. And once you're in there, he said, hold on and don't drift. Don't drift. So you know whether you've ever pulled into port or not. You know where God's speaking to you and what you need to do. Because right now, dude, I'm going to tell you a time when God's working in this world more than any other time is Christmas and Easter. God's spirit just somehow moves and people are ripe and they are ready. And they are, man, they're hearing things. They're hearing from God and they got a choice. But yet, it's also a time where Christians just lose perspective on what life's really about, like Ashley was talking about. And we turn into them sour, sucking, pickle-faced Christians. We turn into the, instead of being able to be the testimony we're supposed to be, to show them what it looks like to have a mighty, powerful, living God living inside of us, we're actually worse than them. <laughs> we're actually, because we act as though we have no hope. We have no hope. When we have more hope than anything. And that's what this season's about. So man, here's what I'm saying, guys. If you're a Christian, this is the time. This is the time. Hang on to him. Make sure you keep the main thing, the main thing, and the main thing is Christ. Let's pray. Father, um, I got to admit that uh, these last few weeks have been kind of tiring for me. And some of the things tiring me out are... Uh, a lot of the situations that you've orchestrated in my life to actually show other people and show me how big of a God you are. But Father, um, I know that I'm a tip of an iceberg, and I know that there's got to be many believers here in this room that are tired. And um, I've heard it even a couple of times. So Father, I, I pray that we would quit maybe working so hard on our own and we would learn how better to rest in your power and um, let you do the work and father um, I don't really even know what that looks like for each of us but I pray you would show us help us help us to be able to um, just trust in your power and your presence and relax in that to recline in it and watch you do things so supernatural that only you could get blamed. 
Father, I pray that as believers we would represent you. We would, we would be found faithful to trust you and do the things that we're, you're expecting us to do in your power and for your purpose. Um, help us, Father, just to totally represent you. But I pray, Father, if there is anyone here today, um, no matter how religious they may seem to be, how much they may know about Jesus, um, Father, I pray that if there's someone here that knows about Jesus but doesn't know him, I pray if there's somebody that's never actually pulled into port, someone who knows so much about Christianity, so much about what you did, so much about everything the Bible teaches, but they've never surrendered their life, that you would bring great conviction to them. Not to make them miserable, but conviction to let them have the fear of you to know that they're, they're going to be held accountable for that knowledge. And you would speak to their heart, and you would um, show them how much you love them. That's why you've been revealing all this stuff to them. And that if they would surrender themselves to you, um, they would have a home in heaven forever, which is for eternity. But while they're here, they can be a part of being used by you to have supernatural things happen. So supernatural that only you get blamed. And um, Father, um, it's not about this life, about the next one, but it's pretty cool when we walk this one with you. So, Father, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would just speak and work in the way that it needs, that you need to work and speak in each of our lives. I've tried my best to communicate this, which you've asked me to communicate. And um, now we need your Holy Spirit to show us how to apply it, and we need to simply apply it. Father, help us not to drift, especially past things that are super important. Help us to hold firm to what we know and what we trust. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name.